glad if you'll uh, find a seat. We're going to jump in the Word. It's going to be good. God's going to speak to us this morning. I believe it. What's that? <laughs> yeah, if y'all, if y'all quit talking, doc, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. It's awesome to have a church that talks. And thank God Bethany didn't just fall out of her seat. You got a testimony for next week. Yeah. It's like, I think that the, the baby kind of teetered you over. So he almost threw you out of your seat. Well, thank God. There was those angels, those angels holding you in the seat. So we're thankful for that. Well, pray for me. I, uh, I have decided to take a new venture in life. And I had gotten to a point in, uh, in life where I was either going to have to buy new clothes or lose some weight. And it's a lot cheaper to lose some weight. So this week I decided, and, and you know, I saw commercials, I saw this, I decided that I would start doing P90X. And I don't know, how many of you have heard of P90X? It's like, um, it's like the workout from the pit of Hades. It's, it's like the hardest thing I've ever done. And, but I saw the guy doing it, and he's like 50 years old. And I'm like, I can do this. I'm only 33 years old. I can do this. And so I came in the first day, and I'm in there, and I put my little pull-up bar on the door and going into the bathroom in my office because it's the only small door in the entire building. And I get up there, and nobody was here, so I didn't even have my shirt on. And I, got, and I look up, and I start to do my first pull-up, and there I am right in the mirror. I did not realize. And I'm having to look at myself, straining, trying to do this pull-up, veins popping out of my head, jiggling. You know, it was just tragic. And so I came in, and I stuck with it all week, but it was crazy. All week long, I felt like I had the flu. I've never felt like that from just working out, but I literally, I felt like, I mean, I was just aching. I thought I was going to have to call you, Kim, because I had this big knot in my neck. I'm like, man, this is ridiculous. And every day I would come home, and Susan would say, Brandon, how was P90X today? And I'm going, oh, man, you know, Susan, I was good. And then that last thing I did, it did something to my, my hamstring. I don't know. And then the next day, well, how was, I don't know, I just got this thing in my neck, and I don't know. And then yesterday I came home, and, and she said, how was it? I said, I was good until I did this last little back kick thing, and I felt something pop in my hip. And she goes, same, and she goes it may just be better if you don't do this anymore. And, uh, but I'm sticking with it, you know. I'm trying to, trying to make it, trying to, trying to just gut it out, but it has not been, been easy. And uh, I was doing the yoga. I don't know how many of you have ever done yoga. But if you picture me trying to do yoga, and I'm, I'm kind of like a pretzel all bent up in all these things, doing the sunrise of the dog or cypress or something. I don't know what it was. It was some kind of yoga term. And I'm trying to do this. And, and finally, I just finished the whole thing. And I don't think it, I'm so out of shape that I can't do the exercises well enough for it to do me any good. You know, and so I get there and I'm trying to do this stuff and I get done and I was like, my goodness, I can't ever do that again. That was the hardest thing I've ever done. And then it's like, like, I don't know if God just speaks through P90X, but it was like, I hear this in my head. That's the hardest it'll ever be. And I started thinking about that. I was like, you know, that is so true. That's the hardest it'll ever be. If I'll stick with it every day, every time I do it, it'll get a little bit easier and a little bit easier unless I permanently damage something, but it'll get a little bit easier, a little bit easier, a little bit easier. And I started thinking about that in life and, and that sometimes we can get in places where we just want to quit and give up. We just get in places where, where we just think, man, I can't go another day. But I believe in my heart that if we'll just keep walking, if we'll keep stepping, then every day it'll get a little bit better and we can continue to walk. 
But the devil comes and he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he would do, like to do nothing more than come to rob you. Put you in paralysis where you just quit walking altogether. Where you just quit stepping altogether. And we started a series last week. It's called Out of the Valley. And what it's really talking about is coming out of this valley of despair. I just believe when God dropped this in my heart, I, I just felt that God put on my heart that too many Christians live in despair. It may not be your entire life is in despair. It may not be that every aspect of your life you're just hopeless, which is what despair is. It's getting to a place where there's just no hope. But it may mean that there is one aspect of your life that you've just given up on. It may mean that there's something in your life that you've just accepted. This is just how it's going to be. And you've just given up that God's going to ever change it. And so we, we come to a place where I don't believe that God wants us to live there. I believe trials, I believe things come in life, but I believe that we pass through them. I don't believe God intends for us to dwell in a valley, especially a valley of despair. I don't believe that God's intent is for us to go through our life and to live our life feeling like there's no hope. One of the most difficult things is having setbacks in life because we go and we go and we go and we get set back and the most difficult thing is just to start again. It's hard to just take that first step. But I believe that God would always have us filled with hope. To be filled with an, a, a, a knowledge that God is going to work this out. He's going to do things in my life. And today I want to specifically talk to you about the sustaining power of a dream. See, I believe that God's called us all to a purpose. He's given us all a vision for our life. He's given us all a, a purpose to live for. But I believe that what happens in life so many times is one of two things. One, God gives us a vision. He gives us a dream. He, he puts something in our heart that we believe God wants us to do. And, and we grab hold of that thing and we start walking through life. And then trials come, the valley comes, and all of a sudden we just let go of it. See, it's easy when, when you have this vision, you have a dream, and, and, and in a week you press through and it happens. But it's a little bit harder when it takes a month to get to where you feel like God's taking you. It's even harder when it takes a year, when it takes a decade to get to where God is taking you. And so it's easy just to get to a place of saying, oh, well, I just, that must not have been God. I, I'm just giving up on it. I'm letting it go. It'll never be right. I, I, I don't even have any faith. I have no hope. I, have no, I don't even hardly have a desire to see that happen anymore. And so we just let it go. And so some of us today need to think back. We need to reach deep down inside and see what it is that God has placed on the inside of us that he's desiring to do in our lives. Because some of us have given up on that. There are visions, there are things in our hearts that God has placed there and we've just given up. The other people are the ones who haven't given God an opportunity to speak a vision into their life. They haven't given God a chance to say, this is what I created you to do. This is who you are. This is what I've designed you for. I have knit you, knitted you together. I have placed you together for this purpose. And we need to hear God speak to us what it is we're here for. Listen, it doesn't necessarily have to be a ministry. It might be something with your family. It might be a desire for, for uh, a marriage. It might be a desire for um, reconciling a relationship with your parents. It could be anything that God has placed there. That has been placed there by God. And so we come to a place of realizing that God's desire is to fulfill His purposes in our life. And everybody that sits here today has a purpose that God has given you upon your life. And nothing, not the, the devil himself, can come and steal the purpose that is upon your life. 
And so we're going to begin looking at that today. We're going to talk about that. I want to tell you and I want to encourage you today that as long as God is alive, your dream is not dead. Your dream is still alive because God is alive. And I don't think God's going to kick the bucket. So as long as there is breath in your body, there is a purpose upon your life. A God-given kingdom purpose. And so I don't want you to allow the devil to come in and begin to manipulate you and, and try to, to, to tell you that it's too late, that you can't do it, that it's over, it's finished. There is always hope in God. I want to read this to you because this, this is such a familiar scripture, but I want to read it to you because I believe it shows us the, the type of plan, the type of purpose, the type of dream, the type of vision that God places on our life. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Listen, the plan of God is to prosper you, not to harm you. He gives plans to give you a hope and a future. A hope and a future. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. We've got to recognize that this is our God. I didn't write that. Not nearly smart enough to write something like that. But God wrote that. He said that to us, that His desire is, is, is to do good through us. His desire is to give us a good purpose and a plan to do good, not harm. And so we've got to realize that that's what God's calling us to, that that is His purpose, that is His heart. And I really want to begin to look at, look at this through the eyes of Joseph this morning. If you turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 37, I want to talk to you about Joseph. Because, see, there was one thing about Joseph. He went through all kinds of hell, all kinds of stuff. But one thing about Joseph that kept him going was a God-given dream. It was a God-given vision for his life. Now, I'll tell you this. Joseph, if you read it, he may not have been the most wise man in, in all of creation. But he had the favor of God upon his life and he kept his heart right. And we're going to see that today. And, and we're going to see how God raised him up even in the midst of all these things. And Joseph never lost hope. He never got into a place of despair where he just gave up. So listen to this. In uh, Genesis 37, uh, beginning in verse 1, it says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah. And the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their families, he brought their father a bad report about them. It says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now listen to this Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around me and bowed down. See, the first thing that happened there is that Joseph had a dream. He had something that was placed on the inside of him that God had put there. You've got to look inside your heart. You've got to look inside of you. What is God placed on the inside of you? 
And so when Joseph began to go through all this stuff, the one thing that he held on to was the dream. It carried him through. He knew what God's heart was for him. He knew that God's desire was to fulfill this dream in his life. Think about this. Joseph is 17 years old. He has a dream. And then all of a sudden, all this stuff begins to happen. He's ripped away from his family. He's, he's literally sold to, into slavery by his brothers. He goes and he begins to live in a, a guy named Potiphar's house. He was pretty high up in the government there in Egypt. He begins to live there. He, he finds favor and he prospers. He gets thrown in jail because of Potiphar's freaky wife. And, and so then he ends up going and, and going out to jail. And then Pharaoh raises him up to the kingdom. And finally his dream becomes reality. But I mean, listen to this. Think about all that he went through. And yet he never lost hope. Now the reality of it is I'm sure he had some bad days. I don't think that Joseph was just hopping and skipping through life. I don't think that for one bit. But the thing that he didn't do was he never forgot the dream. He never forgot the vision. He held on to it with all that he was. And he would not let it go. Now listen, Joseph didn't do some things that were were real smart. And we'll look at those real quick. But he held on to the dream and he, he found favor and he, and he just held on to God. But listen to this. It says, Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks. This is verse 1. With his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Strike number one. Joseph is tattling on his brothers. Now, I don't know if you who have kids, when you tattle on your brother, they usually don't appreciate that a whole lot. But Joseph was just trying to do the right thing. I could just picture Joseph as this sort of naive, good-hearted kid. He's like, Daddy, you got to know what they're doing out there. Well, it just ticked them off. They just got mad. And so that was strike number one. He goes on in verse 3, and it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him. And could not speak a kind word to him. Listen, the favor of the father of, of, of Jacob was upon Joseph. And his brothers couldn't stand it. They hated the fact that the, their father loved him more. That was strike number two. He's in trouble. They're really beginning to get bitter towards him. They're not liking him. And I'll tell you this. When people see the favor of God on your life, they're not going to like you either. When they see that God is doing things in your life, they're going to get upset with you. They're going to be angry with you. You may not have done anything to them. But they're going to see that God is doing things for you and it will upset them. People will always, when they've given up on their dream, they'll always come and try to rob yours. We always say this saying, well, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hit me. I don't believe that. Hurt me. But I don't believe that. I do not believe it because words cut deep. And people will come and they will murder your dream. They will murder the vision that God gave you. And you've got to guard that. You've got to realize that that is a reality. And when the favor of God is upon your life, other people are not going to like it. Some won't be bothered by it, but others won't like it. It is amazing to me how in so so many times in church, when something good happens for somebody else, instead of rejoicing with each other, we just get jealous. We get angry. Well, you know, so-and-so got a new truck. You really think he can afford that? 
I mean, come on. Instead of just going, man, bless God, that is a nice truck. Man, I am so happy for you. We're going, well, I could never have a truck like that. You know, we just get mad. We just get upset. You know, we get angry. Well, so-and-so got a promotion. Did you hear about that? Well, I don't know why they got a promotion. Do you know what they did? They said, it's going, well, bless God. Praise God. Now they can give more to the church. We can do more. <laughs> you know, we just get mad. We get upset. We, we get angry when we see the favor of God upon other people. In verse 5 through 8, it says, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to the dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field. And he goes on and tells them the dream. And then it says his brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Joseph comes and shares his dream. Listen, I believe this very strongly. I believe that when we started the church, God really put this on my heart that I had to share the dream. I had to share the vision. But I didn't go running through town going, Hey, everybody, we're starting a church. And, and thinking that everybody was going to go, well, praise God, that is exactly what we need is another church in Statesboro, Georgia. I knew that that was not a reality. But, but I found the people I was the closest to, the people I could confide in, because I knew that God said, Brandon, you've got to talk about it. You've got to share it. And I just began to share that vision. I began to talk about it. Now, listen, if I'm Joseph, I don't think I go run and tell my brothers, one day you're going to bow down to me. There's just not wisdom in that. So in our dreams, we, we can share it with the people that are, that are closest to it. We can, we can begin with them and then, and then move out from there. But you've got to be careful with your dream. You have got to guard it. You've got, you can't just throw it out there for everybody. It, it, Jesus even talked about throwing pearls to swine. He said, when you do that, be careful lest they come and they'll trample He's saying, listen, you've got to be careful with the, the pearls of life. You've got to be careful with that. Don't just trust it to anybody. Do it with people that you can confide in. And then there came a time when God says, now go and begin to tell everybody. And so we went and we were like, all right, this is going. This is, this is happening. This is where we're going. And the timing was right and it worked, but we've got to be careful. And then the next thing that happens in 37, 7 through 11 is Joseph does it again. There's a time in life when it's best just to keep your mouth shut, you know. Just put it away right here and go, all right, cool. But after their first response, I certainly would not have told him again, but at least he wasn't ashamed of his dream. But there's a place where we just kind of need to get to where, where we use wisdom in regards to our dream. From there, life became, it was just something, I, I don't know, it, it was almost seems out of control when you read about it. Because here comes Joseph. He's doing great. He's favored by his father. He's, he's in a perfect place. He comes along. He makes a couple of stupid comments, and they throw him in a pit. Now, they come along then. They sell him into slavery. He goes, and he goes, and he lives with Potiphar over in Egypt, and he raises up. He, the wife of Potiphar um, comes and, and says that Joseph was a handsome young man. He was, you know, striking. And so she comes and she begins to try to talk him into having an affair with her. And he's and even to the point where one day, I mean, this lady was like freaky, man. She's, and like her, her pickup line, if you read it in the Bible, her pickup line was, hey, want to come lay with me? I mean, that was like her total line. And she wondered why it didn't work. But she goes and, and, and he, he's there and, and she is so just, I guess, crazy about him that she even grabs his clothes and tears the clothes off and he runs out and so when he does that and all that happens and she she really frames him with the with his garment he goes and then he gets put into jail and there he meets this baker and this cupbearer 
And he begins to interpret their dreams and all this goes on. And then finally Pharaoh has a dream and they remember him and they bring Joseph before Pharaoh. He interprets Pharaoh's dream and then Joseph is raised up finally to where he was supposed to be. Finally, the vision would be fulfilled. And what I want to say to you in all of that is when people begin to hold us back, when people begin to pull at us and try to keep us back from what God wants us to do, if we'll do a few things, then when they pull us back, rather than it being something that holds us down, ultimately it will be something that launches us forward. So many times when we get in life and we get in situations, we get pulled back, we get held down, we, we have people that are fighting against us. And if we'll, we'll see in just a minute, there are some things that if we'll do it, it can actually be a launching into our destiny. It can be a launching into our vision. It can be something that propels us forward into what God has created us to do. But this is what happens most of the time. We begin to move forward where God wants us to go. We begin to be pulled back. Things aren't going well. And most of the time when we get to right here, we stop. I don't know how many people in life have given up on God, given up on the vision right before they had the breakthrough. Sometimes we just got to press a little further. Sometimes we've got to walk a little harder. We've got to just grit our teeth and we've got to go forward. Not everything in life that that God calls us to is going to be easy, but He'll be there with us. And so we've got to just begin to continue to walk and to press and not give up, to hold on. I was talking with a friend of mine who has a business and he's been trying to do some things to get it in line with what he feels God wants, and and it's just not happening. It's just, he said, I just feel like it's just flat. I just feel like things aren't going well. And, and, And when he said that, I just really felt in my heart for him to just keep going. It's about to happen. It's about to happen. Just keep going. Just keep doing what God would have you to do. Just keep moving. And then God can use that. It can actually be something that catapults us. Listen, he was in a pit. He went to Potiphar's house. Then he became in charge of everything in Egypt. And every time before he did that, he took a step back. What we would deem as a step back. But to God, what we see as a step back is not always a step back. Sometimes it is getting you ready to launch you forward into your destiny into the things that God would have you to do. But in our eyes, man, going in a pit, really? And then all of a sudden, oh, well, look, he's doing better. Oh, my gosh, jail? Oh, well, now he's doing better. He's, you know what I'm saying? It was just one thing after another, and we just felt like, oh, he's always getting held down. He's getting pulled back. But it was launching him further. God was actually using these things to get him ahead, to move him forward. I don't, I, this is just me. You can take this for what it is. I don't believe God had to do all those things to him. I don't believe that God, I believe the devil will throw us in enough pits that God don't have to do it. That's just my belief. I believe we serve a good God who loves us and desires to keep us out of the pit. But I believe that God is the best there's ever been at taking lemons and making lemonade. And that God launched him out of that pit. He launched him out of that jail. And God used everything. If there's ever been somebody that God, that you see the truth of, of the statement that God will turn all things to good for those who love him. You see it in the life of Joseph. He took all kind of crazy stuff and used it for good. I want to look at, real quick, the things that I believe Joseph did. And this is not, there, there are others in here. I mean, I would just encourage you to go and read Genesis 37 um, and on where it talks about Joseph. It is such a rich scripture and you can see so many things in there. But I want to share some things with you that, um, that I believe uh, God showed me in this text this week specifically for today. The first one is this, that Joseph realized the rejection of man didn't mean rejection by God. 
that Joseph realized that rejection by man did not mean rejection by God. How many times do we get rejected by man and we begin to think, oh, well, God must not be in this. Joseph gets thrown in a pit. God had just given him the dream. They're going to bow to me, God, and now they got me in a pit standing there looking down on me? How is this going to work out? So we've got to realize that just because man rejects us doesn't mean God has. Because the word is true that God will never leave us nor forsake us. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. And so we realize that God has not rejected us. He has not turned his back on us, even when somebody else does. When somebody else hurts us and walks away, God has not left us, nor has the dream. So that he is still right there in the midst. Genesis 37, verses 12 and 13, it says, Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flock near Shechem and Israel. Said, and Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. Now listen, at this point, Joseph has shared his dream with his father. He shared it with his brother. And basically he said, look, here it is. And they said, Leah, that's nice. And they stepped all over it. They just trampled it, just mashed it down in the ground. The most amazing thing to me about this is the next scripture says that when Joseph or when Jacob, Israel, comes to him and says, go to your brothers, he's like, very well. He didn't get bitter. I'd have been like, man, no, after you talked to me, like, you know, I would have wanted to like give him some lip. I'd been, I certainly wouldn't have been like, very well, you know. I would have been ticked. I'd have been, at least I'd have been like, shaka, 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 shaka. like I did when I was little. My dad used to always get on to me because he, he'd get mad at me. I'd walk off, shaka, shaka, shaka. and he'd be like, what'd you say? I'd be like, nothing. You know, but, but it's just that way I would have I would have had a tood, man. And yet here he is. He's just like, very well, dad, I'll go. He, kept, he guarded his heart. There was no bitterness. The things that his brothers, the thing that his father did to him, even when he was thrown in the pit, even when he was thrown in jail, he didn't get bitter. I'm telling you, bitterness will kill your dream. Bitterness will kill what God has called you to be and to do. We've got to guard our hearts from that. We can't let that bitterness in. When people do us wrong, let it go. It might be hard, but I'm telling you, you are better off. And the problem with bitterness is typically when somebody does you wrong, you get bitter and mad, and it doesn't bother them a bit. You're laying awake at night like this. You know, you're mad, you're just... You're just mad and angry. You're just wanting to kill them, grab them by the throat. And they're at home, they're like... It isn't bothering them. It's not keeping them up. It's killing you. You're the one that wakes up the next morning with bags under your eyes. Can't function at work. Because it's not bothering them. They move right on. We've got to guard our hearts against bitterness. We can't let that in. It amazes me that, that it says that when they brought the baker and they brought the... Um, the, the cupbearer, into the, the prison that they put Joseph in charge of him. And it says he serves them. He, he, it's not like he's in charge of them, like, get up and shine my shoes. He was like, you know, serving them, doing things for them. And even to the point that he's in jail, all this stuff's happened to him. And he walks in one day and he looks at the cupbearer and the baker and he says, what's wrong with you? You look sad. And that's when they begin to tell him his dreams. And when he interprets those dreams, that begins to be what, what Pharaoh uses to exalt him in the kingdom. Now that is awesome to me. Because here this guy is who has been done wrong. He, is, he has been dealt a bad hand. He has had all this stuff happen to him. And yet he is still concerned about other people. 
That is absolutely amazing. That's a man who's kept his heart right. He's guarded his heart. Who hasn't allowed bitterness to come in. He kept his heart right in the fact that he did not allow bitterness to come in. Genesis 39.9. It says this. No one is greater. And he's talking about when he's in Potiphar's house. And he's, he's doing everything for Potiphar. And this is him speaking about that. He says, no one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. And this is when she's trying to get him to sleep with her. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Listen, through everything, he kept his heart right with God. All this stuff was coming against him. All this stuff was happening. And yet he never looked at God and went, God, you know, he kept his heart right with God. He guarded it. He knew that the best thing I can do is serve the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God of the universe. He knew, Listen, it always pays to serve God. I don't know how many times I've said this, but I will say it again. You will not get to the end of your life and look back on it at the age of 75, 80, 90, 150, whatever long you live. You will not get to the end of your life and go, well, wish I had spent all them years living for God. It don't work that way. When we live away from God, we might get to the end of our life and go, well, I just, I just wish I had lived for God. You know, man, I wasted so much time. But we don't get to the end of our life and look back and go, wow, I really wasted that living for God. It's not going to happen. It always pays to serve God. It pays to serve Him. It's the best thing you can do. He'll honor you. He'll, he'll exalt you just as he did Joseph. God is not a respecter of person. He is not partial. If he did it for Joseph, he'll do it for you. The other thing in that verse is, it's, it goes, and Potiphar's been good to him. And, and Joseph refuses to sleep with his wife. He says, listen, he's trusted me with everything. He's trusted me with all he's got. Everything that's in his hand, he's given to me. He's trusted me with all of this. He kept his integrity. You know, it is so easy for us when we get in a situation where things aren't going our way to begin to rationalize why we can do something that's just not right. It's so easy. Well, you know, I got done wrong, so it's okay if I do them wrong. No. Be bigger than that. Well, you know, if I hadn't had this happen, then I wouldn't have to take this and steal this. And, and you know, no. Keep your integrity. In the long run, your integrity is worth more than what you could ever get by doing something that's not right. Trust that the problem is we don't trust God to raise us up. We feel we have to do it. If I don't do this, God can't do it. If I don't do this, God won't do it. And we've got to hold on to the fact that God is the one who will raise me. If I'm going anywhere, if I'm going to do anything, if my dream's going to be fulfilled, then God is the one that's going to do it. And Joseph, um, Joseph never took his eyes off of God. He never doubted the fact that, that God was the one who was going to make it happen. Back over in Genesis 37, verse 24. I love this. this is, to me, this is so typical of, or anti-typical, whatever you want to call it, um, of how we look at life. Verse 24, it says, and this is when they throw him in the pit. It says, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. I'd read that so many times before, but this week it just jumped out at me. That they threw him in a cistern. If you know what a cistern is, a cistern is a container, a pit, something that is used to hold water. And that is its purpose. And yet they throw him in there, and it comes to the point where in the Bible it makes a point of saying, and the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. 
I believe this. I believe that even in that moment when they threw him in the pit and he's standing there, I believe God was trying to show him right then and there, Joseph, just chill. My hand is with you. There's no water in the pit, Joseph. This is a container. This is something that's meant to hold water. There's no water in the pit. And you know, in life, what happens to us is we come into a situation that's difficult. We come into a situation that we feel could rob us of our dream, rob us of our victory, rob us of our peace. And we come into it, and instead of looking for God's hand in the situation, instead of looking for God's promise in the situation, instead of looking at the fact that, hey, there's no water in here, we just look at the pit that's around us. We just look at the walls, and we look up, and we're like, gosh, that's high. There's no way I I can't jump that high. And instead of looking at the fact that, hey, do you think it's just by chance you ended up in a pit without water in it? we got to realize that God, in every situation, we can find a promise that God is going to bring us out of it. And I believe that even in that moment, God was saying, Joseph, I have got you covered. I know that seems simple. I know it, but it, it, I mean, it was supposed to have water in it. There was no water. There was nothing there. And so Joseph's just in there. At least he wasn't in there dog paddling. Like in circles, trying to stay afloat, you know. He was in there and, and, and God was already showing his favor. He was already showing him. I'm amazed at how many Christians live today without the knowledge that God would like to put favor upon them. I talk with people all the time. They're looking for jobs. They're looking for this. We just don't realize the power of God's favor. You are his child. He wants you to walk in favor. I did it myself the other day, sitting right there in that third chair from that side. I was sitting right there, and I was talking to a group of guys about tearing out these walls, and we're um, planning to go ahead and begin to do that, to expand this that way. And, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know, the most difficult thing that we're going to have to do is get the building permit and then um, transition from this room into that room and, and do it all without you know, having stuff fall on people. And I'm sitting there, and I said that. Well, that day, um, one of the guys calls the city and says, hey, we need to get a permit. Do we need one for this? What do we do? And the guy goes, if you're doing interior stuff, just do it. It'll be more headache for us than it's worth. Just go ahead and do it. Just, just do it, and, and don't worry about the permit. If, if you fill out an application, we're just going to pass it through. Just go ahead and do it. And he called me and told me, and I was like, hmm? Really? And, and I'm sitting there, and in my head, I hear, the most difficult thing we're going to have to do is get the building permit. And I'm like, where is my faith? Where is my, where, why am I not thinking that in, instead of thinking at it and looking at it that way, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the pit. I'm looking at the wall instead of looking at the fact that, man, there's no water in there. Instead of looking at the fact that my God is big, let's just, we're going to believe for favor. I just believe that this is going to go smooth. I believe it's going to work. Instead, we just start thinking about everything that could go wrong. Well, you know what? It could rain and I might just, it might fill up with water. You know, instead of being like, praise God, there's no water. Most of us would be in there going, oh, God, don't let it rain. Don't let it rain, God. You know, I mean, that's kind of how we live. We live our life instead of looking for where God's going to move and what God's going to do. We live in fear over here in paralysis just going, oh, God. Oh, Lord. And so we've got to get to a place where we look for God's favor. We know God wants to favor us. And this is the last thing. It says in verse 23, it says, When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing. You know what I believe that robe was to the brothers? Was I believe that it was a, a, just a visual sign to them of the favor that Joseph had. 
And the thing that I see in this is that they were able to strip that robe off of Joseph. They were able to take it off of him and pull it off of him. And they were able to, they end up going and killing an animal and making it all bloody and tearing it up so that it looks like an animal killed him. And they take it back to their father. So they were able to steal that from him. They were able to rob it. They were able to rip it off of him. But the thing that they could not do and the thing that no one can do to you is they cannot steal the favor of God off of your life. They might be able to pull you back. They might be able to drag you down. But they cannot steal God's favor off of your life. That's something you've got to walk away from. They can't take it. Begin to believe for God's favor. Begin to believe that God will move in every situation. And believe that God desires to move you into the dream that he's called you to. God has a dream for you. He has a vision for your life. And every time we get pulled back, if we'll do the right thing, God will launch us forward. But we got to hang in there. we got to keep walking. we got to keep moving. we got to keep doing. When we come in and things don't look like we thought they were going to look, when we're, we're, we're struggling to get to where we thought we were going to go to, I guarantee you when Joseph had that dream and the sheaves bowed down and they began to, to worship him and he told his brothers and he ended up in the pit, he's like, hmm, I didn't expect it to turn out this way. He ends up at, and I guarantee you, he was thinking, well, I'm at Potiphar's. I'm at, this is getting closer. This is getting closer. And then all of a sudden, wham, he's in jail. Mm, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, he's at Pharaoh's. And, and then there comes that one day, that one day that his brothers come and they're begging him for grain. And he goes, oh, I see. But Joseph had to keep walking. It wasn't easy. He had to hold on, and that dream sustained him from the age of 17 until the time he became in charge of everything that was in uh, Pharaoh's control, the entire kingdom. And his brothers and his dad come walking in, and they finally just, we're at your mercy. We're at your mercy. And then, even then, he wasn't bitter. My tendency would have been like, yeah, now, all right, take them off. And yet he goes, I'm so glad to see you. And he loves them. And he hugs them. And he's restored. And God gave him everything that he promised. And we've got to realize that today. That if we'll keep walking, it might not look like much. It might not seem like much. But we've got to keep walking. We've got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. We've got to keep going. We can always go further than we think we can go. And you keep pushing on. And you keep pressing. And you don't give in. And you don't let the devil win. And you just make up your mind. When my dad broke his leg a couple of weeks ago, I'm riding up to Augusta with Chuck, and he's like, you know, we could get somebody else to preach tomorrow. I'm like, no way. No way. He's like, why not? I'm like, I'm not letting the devil win. I will not allow the devil to win. I'm preaching tomorrow. He's like, well, we might get back. I said, like, if I don't sleep, I'm preaching. I don't care. The devil is not going to win. I'm not. Come on, y'all got to. Does anybody believe that this morning? Don't let the devil win. Thank you. We can be, this is something we can be excited about. You ought to be excited that God wants to fulfill the things he's placed in your heart. And we just kind of go, come on, this is good. We've got to grab hold of this, people. It will change your life. It will change the way you look at things. It will make you want to get out of bed in the morning. Even when you look around and it doesn't look good, things look bleak. God says, I will do it. Let him have it. We got to wake up. We got to see that God, he wants to put his favor on your life. Walk in it. 
Know that God's going to do it. He will do it. Keep pressing on. Put one foot in front of another. And when you think you can't put another foot, put one more. And one more. And one more. And don't let the devil paralyze you. Move in the things that God has called you to do. Be excited about it. Amen? All right. Let's pray.